want you to take your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's stand together. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 and then verse 6 and lay the foundation for what we're studying in in these next few weeks. So it says here in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, verse 2, again, I I, want to reiterate this to you. This is what the ancients were commended for. This entire chapter is commending those who lived before this was written, commending them in their obedient faith to God. And these are given to us, 1 Corinthians tells us this, as an example. The Old Testament is valuable to us today so we can go back to it and see the lives that people lived. They were real people with real struggles and they battled temptation just like we did. As a matter of fact, they had it even harder than us because those who were believers did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit that we have today living inside of us. King David had the Holy Spirit who came upon him. And others had the Holy Spirit who came upon them for special moments that God used them. As a matter of fact, Moses would go and meet with God and he would come down from the mountain and he had to wear a covering over his head because um, of, of, of the brightness of the countenance of his face. The people couldn't look upon him because he had been with the Lord. And, uh, and so, you know, the presence of God was on Moses, but the Holy Spirit did not come to live within the hearts of human beings until the day of Pentecost in the New Testament, the New Covenant, on the day that the church was born. And so these ancients, the Bible says, were commended for their faith in spite of never receiving the promise that we have received. And then in verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Now, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's Let's read the first part again. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. A lot of people ask me as a pastor, what does God want from me? I've got the answer. He wants you to believe him. That's what he wants. You want to please God? I want to please God? Then we have to trust him. That means we have to trust what he's already said. We have to trust his word. And in trusting his word, we do what he says. That's it. That's how you do it. So, faith. I can't live without it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Add your blessing to it today. Speak to our lives so that we can walk out of here today not only encouraged, maybe convicted, strengthened, so that we can walk in faith and live a life pleasing to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So I'm going to give you these pretty quick here. Notice here what we see in verse 1. 
faith is this. Faith is, number one, confidence in what God has said. Confidence in what God has said. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In other words, biblical faith is putting your trust in the eternal Word of God. The Bible says about the Word of God that heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. You know, when I go into a hurricane-ravaged town, city, wherever it may be, and you see all the great buildings that humans have built that have stood the test of time until that storm, and they've been wiped off of their foundations, you realize that what God says about heaven and earth will pass away will come true. As a matter of fact, the day that I watched the towers fall on 9-11, 20 years ago, you remember that day, those of you who were alive then, you remember where you were, you remember watching it. I remember watching the first tower come down live on television, and, and though my mind knew what was happening, I looked at Pastor Gary, who was our youth pastor at the time, we were watching it together, and I said, what is happening? What, is ha- what am I seeing? And he goes, the building is coming down. And I went, I don't believe it. And he goes, yeah, the building is falling. It's coming down. And then the second building came down. And you realize that even the greatest achievements of man like that can crumble. And man did it to man. And so it reminds me that though that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. So faith is confident in what God has said. His word. Listen to me, folks. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Have you ever heard the word um, sovereignty? The sovereignty of God. A lot of people talk about the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? That means that God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He... he, um, He's sovereign. He's the sovereign ruler of the universe. Nobody gives him commands and orders. He is God. But let me just say something to you so you you realize how important God's word is. God chose in his sovereignty, in his all-powerful nature, to limit his sovereignty. You say, what are you talking about? Here it is. God has limited himself to his word. Meaning, the moment God speaks his word, he's bound by it. You ever thought about that? If any part of God's word turns out to be not true, then God is a fraud. And we know he's not a fraud. So that's how important God's word is. It's tied to his sovereignty. When he said that he would send a Messiah, a Redeemer, the ancients believed it, even though many of them died and didn't see it. It's only, you know, these the, the first century Christians who, who got to see it. You remember guys like Simeon, an Old Testament saint who got to see the salvation of Israel. You know, we preach about Simeon at Christmas. And basically, God had promised Simeon that he would not die until he laid eyes 
on the king. Simeon was an Old Testament saint. He was one of those guys who got to see the promise that God had made. But God said that I I will send the Redeemer at at the fullness of the time. And the Bible says when the fullness of the time, when the time was perfectly right, God sent his son. And so God has tied himself to his word. And so here's what faith is. Faith is confidence in what God has said, his word. Now, how does that apply to my life today? Here's how it applies to us in a postmodern world, in a world, in a pagan world that hates truth, that hates the Lord, so forth and so on. When the Bible says that God made them male and female, he meant it and it's true. And no matter what man says, it cannot be changed. There are only two genders. Male and female. And it's not fluid. It doesn't change as you feel. That's in his word. And so I can be confident. I can have faith in God's word that what God said is true because it's true. It's scientifically true. It's biologically true. DNA has helped us to see that too. (laughs) You can't change it. The chromosomes or what they are. And that's about as deep as I can go in science, okay? <laughs> I'm really out on a, on a plank right now with some of those words I just used. <clears throat> but I can be confident in what God has said in His Word. So that's what faith is. Faith is confidence in what God has said. That's His Word. Secondly, faith is confidence in what God has done. His work. Oh, look at verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what it was visible. In other words, God made this earth and the world we live in from nothing, from scratch. From scratch. I remember when I was a Cub Scout. I don't know why this was a thing, but when I was a Cub Scout, we had to, uh, one of the things we had to do was make a cake from scratch. That term was foreign to me at the time, scratch, from scratch. I I didn't know what that meant. I I could think scratch. Do we scratch the flour? I don't know. And mom's like, no, 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 no. You can't go buy it in a box and make, you got to make it on your own with ingredients and things of that nature. Well, see, God didn't just make the earth from scratch. He didn't collect some ingredients and just make it. He spoke it into being. I, I, I believe in a literal creation. I don't, listen, I don't believe God created the world in seven days. What? Okay, hang on. He made it in six. He rested on the seventh. Right? Six literal days, 24-hour periods. I believe I'm right on this, the word yom. I believe that's the word. I could be, could have the Hebrew word wrong right now, and that, that would be a, a bad thing as a, as a preacher. But anyway, the Hebrew word for day in the Old Testament is a always, always means a 24-hour period. And the 
Bible says that he created that. The Bible says in Colossians that Jesus created everything. And he holds it all together. And every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the same passage there in Philippians. So confident, faith is confidence in what God has done, his work. So we have his word, and then we have his work. And let me just tell you this, too. You know what his work is? In Bible college and, and, and in seminary, you, you take a, a course like systematic theology, and one of the, one of the things... Uh, in systematic theology is what we call uh, Christology, the study of Christ, his life and his work. His life and his work. What is his work? I have confidence in what God has done. What did Jesus say when he was hanging on the cross? One of the last few things that he said, it is finished. I've come and I have fulfilled the role that my Father has sent me to fulfill. I have become the ransom. And I am redeeming. I'm buying back my people. My life's work was here to do the will of my Father. And I've done it. And so here's the point. Here's faith. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you're putting your trust in what Jesus did all those years ago. In His work. In what He did confidence in what God has done. So I'm putting my eternity, my eternal destiny is in the hands of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And when he said it is finished, he finished the work for me and for you. And I can have confidence in that. I can go to bed at night knowing that if I open my eyes on the other side, that I'm going to be in heaven, my family finds me dead in a bed, it's not the end for me, it's just the beginning. Because I put my faith in Jesus because of what He did, His work, not my work. That's faith. And then faith is this, confidence in what God will do. Confidence in what God will do, His will. So we see we see his word, we see his work, we see his will. Look at verse 6, as we read earlier, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 8 through 10 tells us about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not uh, know where he was going by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country he lived in tents as did isaac and jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is god he was looking forward to a city with foundations who are who whose architect and builder is God. Abraham had to submit to the will of God and trust that God knew better than he, than Abraham, what to do with Abraham's life. And in doing so, he submitted himself, Abraham did, to God's will. Listen to me, folks. 
you'll never grow to the levels that God wants you to grow to spiritually until you submit yourself to the will of God. And in order to do so, you've got to check out of the commander's chair. But God, I don't like this. Listen to me. Listen. It ain't about what you like. I know that's not proper English, but it's Southern and it worked for me. It's not about what you like. God's not interested in your feelings or my feelings all the time. The Bible says God's not a respecter of persons. And you can fight the will of God in your personal life the rest of your life. And God will let you do it. And you can wear yourself out doing it. Or you can submit to the will of God for your life. And by faith, trust Him and put your confidence in what He wants to do in your life, not knowing what it's going to look like down the road. That's called being faithful to His will. It's confidence in what God will do. You see that? In Abraham's life, and it says in verse 6 that without faith it is impossible to please God. So it has to do with God's will. Have you ever thought about this? That sometimes in your life, what you're going through is not because of your sin. You, you know that, right? You know that sometimes you get what you get in life because of your sin, right? I get what I get in life because of my sin, correct? The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out, right? The Bible says, what a man sows, that he shall reap, correct? So, so sin, when you plant it, down the road it comes up, and there's a crop, and there are consequences to deal with. And sometimes what's happened in our life is a direct result of our sin, and we're just reaping the consequences of that. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. Doesn't mean that God doesn't forgive us. And I will, I will even add that, even when it comes to that. It's amazing how when you submit to the will of God, even after your sin, that God will take the sin and he'll use it for good, for his glory, in some kind of way. He will. A drug abuser. Was that ever God's will for them to abuse their body with drugs? And there are some consequences as a result of that. There are some irreparable damage that people have done to their bodies because of drug abuse, correct, right? That happens. But they get saved, they get right, they submit themselves to God's will, and then God takes the negative part of their past, and now he allows them to minister to others who are in that same deal. Now to do his will, okay? So your life is the way it is sometimes because of sin. But let me just add this. Your life and my life sometimes is the way it is, not because of sin, but because of God's will. God's will. I've told this to Brother Larry and a lot of our men over the years. There's a story in the Bible about Jacob and how Jacob wrestled with God, physically wrestled with God. As a matter of fact, I believe it's the pre-incarnate Christ. It was Jesus Christ prior to coming to earth and taking the form of a man. He wrestled with Christ and Jacob's hip got tore up pretty bad. 
And the rest of his life, the man walked with a serious limp. And Jacob had some serious problems. He was arrogant. He lied. He was a conniver. Stole the birthright that belonged to his brother. But God uses imperfect people. But after that, Jacob realized, i got to quit fighting against God, and I need to join him. <laughs> and he's allowing me to join him. And the rest of his life, he walked with that limp, and it was a constant reminder to Jacob of his dependence upon God. And then God used him in mighty ways. In the same way, I say to our men, I don't trust a man who walks without a spiritual limp. Meaning, I don't trust somebody who hasn't experienced enough to be wounded and hurt and to submit to God's will. Some of it is their own doing. Some of it's God just allowing it to happen to shape them, to chisel them into form, to make them what he wants them to be. And we all have to go through it. And, and that's where you, you determine in your faith, your faith becomes crystallized in a good way. It becomes solidified because you have confidence in what God will do, that your life is not just about you living it, but it's for him. And so God's going to use the circumstances of life in and out of your life to bring glory to him. And you have to be good with that. You have to accept that. The Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. One of the best days of my life, and I can't say it happened on a particular day, but it happened over a season where I, I, I came to that place where it's not about what I want anymore, God. It's not about you. I was telling our Sunday school class this this morning that um, I'm just going to tell you a dirty little secret about, about preachers sometimes, okay? A lot of preachers love the platform and they love the fame and they love the adulation and they love what comes with all of this and they love people. That a boy, that a great message. They love all of that and they need their egos stroked. I said, what? Yeah, some do. I had one pastor tell me years ago, he goes, I only do what I do all week and put up with all that garbage so I can preach on Sunday. You know what I interpreted that to mean? He called his people garbage. When you get to a place as a pastor where if you never preach another sermon, you're, not only you're okay with that, but you're, that's fine with you. You know why? You realize that it's not about you. It's not about a performance. It's not about all that, that garbage. <laughs> and so my deal is, as a pastor, I, I, I got to where when I realized, oh, I don't have to perform. I don't have to preach a better message this week than I preached last week because that's not God's standard. God's standard for me is to be available and to be faithful. And when he's done with me preaching, there's something else he's got for me to do. I used to wake up 
on Sunday mornings and used to say this sometimes. Listen to what I'm saying now. Hear me out. Hear me carefully. Oh, man, I got, I got a message. I can't wait to, you know, and all of that. Like, I got something to say. I wake up now like I'm a peasant. I got nothing to add. I've got nothing to say outside of Jesus, outside of his word. And then when I start looking at it that way, then I get a little fire in my bones. And I'm like, okay, I'm your servant today and whatever. You got a pastor, Pastor um, um, Andy Cook at Bronson Road. He, he retired just in the last week or two. I think he's going to finish out the year here. And uh, the time for him has come to not be in the pulpit as much anymore and to not lead a church and pastor a church. And Brother Andy is the kind of man that probably came to a place in his life where whatever the will of God is for me is what I want. It's not about me. It's about him. It's as simple as that. We've got several pastors in our congregation who once pastored congregations. And for whatever reason, God move them along into different areas and right now they're they're in different areas of ministry and life and those men have 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 grown and learned in their own heart and life and they've come they're at peace with the will of god in their life where god has them that doesn't mean that 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 they that you don't have some wants and desires or what have you but you quit fighting against the will of God and you accept the will of God for your life. You follow what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Now, guys, those of you in the sound booth, you know I've got four other points. We're not doing those. Aren't you grateful? We'll do those next week. <clears throat> These three points are supposed to be my introductions today. But I just felt led to dive in y'all are like holy moly okay <laughs> what was i going to say like a sermon something um it was good whatever it was <laughs> i think i don't know so the bottom line is we have to be willing to submit to his will. That's what true faith is all about. Not what I want, when I want it, how I want it. It's about him. The quicker you learn that, the better you'll be able to enjoy your life and be at peace following Early on as a pastor, I wanted people to like me and to love me. Now I want them to love Jesus. Right? See, and I know this. They have to love me. They do. Because they're a Christian. i got to love you. They don't have to like me, though. Right? I don't like me sometimes. Y'all know that? You ever get in a fight with yourself? I, I do. Happens to me. I lost my wallet one time and got in a fight with myself. I was so mad at myself. Went get a whole new, whole, 
debit cards, uh, new driver's license, everything. And three days later, I found it. It fell behind the dresser. I blamed everybody for losing it except me. (laughs) So living this life is about being a faithful person. This is what we signed up for when we gave our lives to Christ. We put our eternity in His hands, in His work. We're basing everything we live our life on by His Word. And we're trusting the direction of our life to His will. So we're off the hook, guys. We're off the hook. So I don't have to stress about what I need to do or this or that. Or I just got to be. And yeah, th- I've always preached this is God's part and our part. There's some things we, we must do, but, but as far as pleasing to God, I, I've got to trust His will and then go with it. Go with it. Can I just be honest with you? When God called me to preach. I was living in Louisiana. I was a Cajun from the bayou. I didn't talk quite as bad as Coach O for LSU. I didn't talk like that, you know. But, um, but I had a Cajun accent. Uh, I believe that God had saved me and called me to preach to pastor that culture. Absolutely what I believed at the time. But not so fast, my friend. God had other plans. I've told you this many, many times. I never knew Newberry existed. As a matter of fact, I thought it was the town that Andy Griffith lived in. But that was Mayberry. And when a friend, pastor friend of mine said, hey, there's a church in Newberry, Florida that I want to recommend you to, they're asking me if I would recommend somebody, would you let me submit your name? I'm like, I don't want to go to Andy Griffith's town, man. He goes, no, dummy, that's in North Carolina. This is in Florida. And maybe it don't exist if you're fixing a town. Anyway, I had no idea. As a matter of fact, just like anybody else, and I had been to Florida before, but I thought Florida was beaches and palm trees. I didn't know it was swamps and cypress trees, palmetto bushes, sand that they call dirt, field dirt. I had no idea. I had no idea that Florida was the second largest cattle state in the United States, second only to Texas. I had no idea. I had no idea that rednecks lived in Florida. There's no idea. I didn't. But God orchestrated the affairs of my life not to put me in a place of my own preconceived ideas, but to put me in a place where he could best use me for his will. It's as simple as that. And I found out that, you know, 
Cajuns and rednecks are twin brothers. You know that, right? A Cajun is just a redneck, a redneck that talks funny. That's all. That's all he is. God has a plan. You think when Abraham was thinking about his life early on that he was thinking that he was going to move to a land, he was going to take his family and everybody and go to a land, to a place. God said, "Go, hey, Abraham, where are you going? I don't know. Well, why are you going? Because God said, go. Go where? I don't know. He said, just start going. Weren't you afraid? Yeah, but I'm trusting God. I'm going to go. And he's got a land for me. And he's going to make my ancestors, you know, about millions. I mean, so I'm going. Abraham realized that he couldn't live without faith. And it's the only way to live. And for you and me as Christians, it's the only way to live. Look, you know, we, 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 can, we can bring it down and, and, and focus it in on, on, the, on COVID and everything that's going on. But we're short-sighted if we just look at faith that way. We, we have to broaden it out. It's, I mean, there's something else that's coming down the road that's going to require faith. There's always something else. And you don't turn it on and put it on like a piece of clothing. It's something you develop day in and day out. You trust His Word, you trust His work, and you trust His will for your life you today respond to him today and say not my will be done but what your will would you stand with me let's pray <clears throat> heavenly father we're grateful for the word of god that always leads us to you and to truth Thank you that we can walk in faith and live by faith. Thank you for what you've done for us. Help us as Christians now to make it right with you. We've been fighting against your will. I just feel strongly led in that direction this morning. Because I know it was something in my life that I was doing at one time. And I was never happier than when I submitted fully your will and gave up the rights and the claims to my life and as your word teaches us that whoever saves his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it so help us now to position ourselves in that way before you next Sunday we're going to be baptizing several people who have given their lives to Christ they're going to be publicly de declaring their faith. If you're in that situation, maybe you've just given your heart to Christ, maybe you want to give your heart to Christ, you come in the invitation in just a moment, and you join them. You come talk to me, and we'll get you set up and ready for baptism to follow God's direction. Christian, the altar's open for you. Submit to his will today. You will never regret it as our team leads us.